Welcome to Messy Closet, the spiritual journey of Generation X. I'm Roseanne Carlo, and here we explore the 70s, 80s, and 90s in New York City, and the lessons my friends and I may or may not have learned. What's happening, everybody? Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Messy Closet, and I'm getting back to the roots. I'm getting back to some New York City history, but not just any history history of the nightlife so maybe a week or so back i put up a post asking if people wanted to be a guest on messy closet if you want to talk about the 80s or the 90s the 70s from any other state besides new york you know so i can get a different perspective about what was going on and tiktoker delvin deluxe asked two questions He asked, what can you tell me about Save the Robots, that's a nightclub, and the Robin Bird Show? So I'm starting with the nightclub because this is always where my interest goes. So Delvin Deluxe, this episode is dedicated to you and Save the Robots and what was New York City back in the early 1980s. Save the Robots, early 80s, illegal underground club operating from 1983 until mid-1984 when it was shut down for fire safety violations. So, Robots, as it was popularly known in the East Village, was basically operating from like a nondescript storefront in a basement. And the address was 25 Avenue B, between 2nd and 3rd streets. So they reopened under like another club after they obtained a club license in January of 1986. And the club was frequented by drag performers, musicians, club kids, all employees of other bars and clubs, and just anybody that you can imagine. Um... So if you're into New York City nightclub, Dean Johnson and Lady Bunny were known to go there. Now, Dean Johnson was an American entertainer and his father was a preacher. They believe in Iowa and Dean moved to New York to study film at NYU and he lived in the dorm and he frequented the Ninth Circle Bar about at age 19. And in the 1980s, you could drink at 18 up to maybe like 1985, 1986. I'd have to look that up. And he was like a cross-dressing musician. He was a party promoter. He was like a prominent figure in the nightlife scene. And he was known for his towering height, shaved head, giant sunglasses, and penchant for wearing short cocktail dresses that exaggerated the length of his pale, lithe figure. And he played a seminal role in the emergence of queen core, gay rock and roll, East Village subculture. And Lady Bunny, originally known as Bunny Hickory Dickory Dock, she's an American drag queen, nightclub DJ, actress, comedian, and event organizer, and she's the founder of the annual Wigstock event, 
And this is an outdoor drag festival that began in 1984 in the East Village, and it took place on Labor Day. So this went on until about 2005, and then after a 12-year gap, Wigstock was revived, not just by Lady, Lady Bunny, but by Neil Patrick Harris on September 1st, 2018, at Pier 17 of the South Street Seaport in New York City, and the name refers Wigstock to the Woodstock Festival of 1969, the area which I now reside in, the Catskills in New York, and it's just so cool how it's all tied together. So back to Save the Robots, it was known for late hours, and the place only sold vodka, soda, and fruit juice. And if you know anything about after hours, and I can tell you I do, they operate from 4 a.m. until 8 a.m. That's the closing time. And, ooh, at one point, talk show host Craig Ferguson worked there as a bouncer. Oh, my God, that's so crazy. I love New York City history. Like I said, it all ties together. This is so cool. So 1993 was the last year of robots, and it was just leased to other operators. It was transformed into a fully licensed dance club, and it capitalized on the Save the Robots name without consent from the original owners, and it just didn't work out, and it didn't have the same clientele. It didn't have the same atmosphere. I'm telling you, no matter what decade you've ever gone to After Hours, you cannot recreate under the same name those expectations and those events. It's just not going to happen. Things are just moving forward. So it was bought by another owner and renamed Guernica, and it closed again in 2003 after the club's bouncer was accidentally stabbed in an incident with some smokers outside the club. That is unfortunate. There was no mention of what it looked like inside in the early 2000s, but upon more research in the 1980s, Save the Robots was like dirt floors, no heat. They said it had a log cabin vibe. And it must have been freezing cold in the winter because you don't see dirt floors ever in New York City. Well, anywhere, really, in the metropolitan areas. I've really never seen dirt floors. So who knows what this space was even before it was Save the Robots. But it had dirt floors. And that was part of the reason that it was... A fire hazard was because you were just basically walking into a dirt hole. Now think about this. You're doing this at 4 a.m. after partying from probably 11 p.m. You're doing this from 4 a.m. to 8 a.m. on dirt floors where they serve only vodka and whatever else was kind of okay. I said it was dark in these places, so it's like, yeah, you know, at least the ones that I've been to, you, you can't see too much. Could you imagine what you probably looked like coming out of there? Talk about a walk of shame, but probably a really good one because you made it out <laughs> and 
you were there to do it the next day. But yeah, I mean, this is one of probably many and Save the Robots was there for such a short period of time, but that's what makes it, I think, as legendary as it has seemed it is, you know? I wish that I could find more information, but there's not a whole lot out there. If there's a New York City historian, I would love to speak to you if you know more about this fantastic club. It would be great to know. On Google, it says Save the Robots is temporarily closed, and there's actually a craft beer called Save the Robots. It's from Radiant Pig Craft Beers. It's a New England IPA. It's, wow, this is interesting. So someone took the name of that club and they turned it into an IPA. I'm not really a fan of IPAs, but I would try it just because of the name. And if you've never had a pork slap, you gotta have one of those too. That's, that's a great beer. If you happen to be in the village, at 157 Avenue C is the Royale, and it's got the Royale with cheese. It is the best burger. It's the best patio. The last time I was there, they did have a pork slap, and I opened the beer, and a man like three tables away said, is that a pork slap I hear? So I do miss the East Village so much. It's my favorite part of the city, and here's my little anecdote childhood story. So. What I remember is probably about most when I was like four years old is where like, you know, serious memories start coming in. And I spent a lot of time with my mom's three younger sisters, but particularly the two youngest ones who are really amazing artists. So I was always like painting with them on canvas, on paper, whatever. They were always teaching me how to paint. Like I could paint before I knew how to pick up a pencil and write my name. I was always with a paintbrush in my hand and creating anything with color. And... They used to babysit me a lot because Italians don't really get babysitters. We have like the no, 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 like your grandmother, grandfather, your zia, your aunt. They will watch you. Like you don't have to hire someone, their family, you know. So I spent a lot of time with them when, you know, whatever. My mother was out doing things. And my youngest aunt is like 16 years younger than me. So it's literally just like having a teenage sister. And I actually used to get on the back of her motorcycle at like five, six years old and we would go shopping and I would have the shopping bags on my arms. My arms wrapped around her jacket and then we would be like riding home. It was so funny. The 80s was just amazing. And they used to take me like everywhere with them. So if they had to meet somebody somewhere or they were working on a project and they were babysitting me, I was just going with them. So usually the question either was, where are we or where are we going? And then when we got there, I would ask again, like, where are we? And in the village, there's these, I'm not in the village, Alphabet City. There's um, Alphabet Lofts. And I remember being in a loft because I asked why it was so big, why the ceilings were so high. Because, you know, the houses that we had been in, it was just like the standard size ceilings. And they told me this is an artist loft. And I had like a really good memory back then, so I could just soak it all in. And they would just take me and they would be like either putting together like sets, miniature sets that someone was 
was photographing and painting backdrops for it or sometimes like they were the models and just kind of testing the lighting and taking a few pictures and I remember asking where we were because we were driving and I was seeing like A, B, C, D. I'm like, what is this? And they said, this is Alphabet City. So I was so young, I would call it Alphabet Soup City. And I'd be like, can we go to Alphabet Soup City again? And go, shh, don't let your mother hear that. Don't let your mother hear that. You can't come with us anymore. Okay. And, you know, everyone was always really cool. Like I would just sit there with like some crayons, maybe I brought like a Barbie doll with me or something. And, you know, it was just watching all of these artists at work. And that's where I kind of just always had the thought in my head, like I wanted my own art studio to create. And that's where a lot of like my paintings come from today are all of those memories of being in the East Village. And I remember this one time they parked the car and the car's tires were missing. When we got back, they were on the cinder blocks. So I must have been about six or so years old and they couldn't call anyone in my family to come get them. So they had to call a friend. So we were sitting in like this little coffee shop and, you know, back then Alphabet City was not the safest and it was like this little, you know, rundown coffee shop. I didn't care. I felt totally safe and excited. I was like, this is so cool. And one of their friends that lived on the block came to pick us up. And remember, they had to go to a payphone and it was a dime back then. And, you know, call someone, remember a phone number, whatever it was, or call collect, who knew? So their friend came to get us, we get home. And the next time I went with them to Alphabet Soup City, um, (laughs) they parked the car in a garage, like further uptown. And we took the subway. And this was back when like, it was real straps of, of material on the subway and all graffiti. And man, I was just enthralled and I could not wait to move to New York City, which I ended up doing at first 19 years old. And then I went back in my early 20s. And that was the last time I really lived in the city. But what a beautiful experience because everything is open to you. Everything is at your door. And even though I lived in the West Village first, which I did love, and then on the Upper West Side, also a beautiful neighborhood, my heart still has always been with the East Village and Alphabet City because of those experiences as a kid. And that is my little story that goes with Alphabet City. But I just want to talk about like underground clubs and after hour clubs in general. I'll be honest, I went to a few in the 90s and the early 2000s. I don't know the names. Definitely don't know how I got there, where they were. I couldn't tell you. Um, But yeah, it's mostly what I remember is it being like really dark and just hearing a lot of different things and just, you know, really there was very few choices of like liquor or anything. And, you know, I didn't really take a close look what was going on. I remember just being like hungry and tired and wanting to go to the diner so I could go home and go to sleep, eat my disco fries. But yeah, after hours have always been um, something of a mystery because you have to be like in the know to be able to find it. Most of them are run illegally. Most of them get shut down. Um, I was looking into if anything had ever like happened 
you know, before in the 80s, if there was any sort of like criminal activity. A lot of those violations revolved around the fact that it was a dirt floor, which is the most surprising thing I've come across in researching this club because you do not anywhere in New York City find a dirt floor. If you find dirt in New York City, it's where the trees are planted, potted plants, Central Park, maybe a couple of smaller parks might have some trees, but yeah, all in all, it's concrete. That's why they call it the concrete jungle, you know? So it's really surprising, but obviously that's why, you know, they got shut down. God knows what happened in there. It said like a fire violation. I couldn't imagine with dirt floors um, how you even looked when you went home. Ugh. So that is Save the Robots, an illegally operated underground after hours club in the early 80s in Alphabet City. And this was one of my favorite ones to research. So if you guys want to know about other clubs or anything else that happened in New York City, Queens, the Bronx, Brooklyn, or Staten Island, or anywhere in Westchester, just message me on my Instagram or my TikTok at Messy Closet Podcast. Leave a comment here and I will check it out for you. I hope that you guys have a great, great day. And I just want to give that quick shout out again to Delvin Deluxe for giving me the idea. This podcast is for you and I hope you enjoy it. So don't forget you guys to keep art and keep love alive.